Well, Happy New Year, Grace. It is, it is great. This is just great to say that. I'm going to say that until like June 12th. Happy New Year. The turn of a calendar has never felt so sweet, right? And the band, right? They like, that was Footloose. Was that not that first song? That was a lot of fun. And I know you guys at home, I don't know if you know this, but because you're tuning in, we can see you. And we saw you dancing. And that's, that's okay. We wish we would have done that too. But if we play that song again, I'm, I'm going to get foot loose. I am. That's good. Uh, gosh, it's good. Honestly, I, I'm putting too much hope in this new year. Uh, it's good to be in a, in a different calendar date. So I know a, a, there's been so many people uh, in, in my life, and probably in yours as well, that have suffered. It's not been a good experience in 2020. Uh, so many people that I know have, have passed away, family members and friends and even, even pets. It seems like it's been, there's so much sorrow that we've experienced together and individually. But also, you know, it has been a year where if we choose, if we choose, we could thrive. And at, in many ways, Grace Covenant Church did thrive. We, we you know, we planned almost a year ahead of, of January 1st, 2020 to read through the Bible together. And we got all the, you know, the things in, in, in lined up for that. And, and we decided to do it anyway. And we read collectively. And so many of you, we read through the Bible in a year. And that's an awesome feat. And then through that time, we study the Bible together on Sunday mornings. We've never done that, spent a whole year doing a survey. That was beautiful. And then in the kind of the cra crazy, unpredictable financial situation that the whole world has been in, we hit most all of our numbers. And then our final month giving, we asked you guys to, you know, really put grace first on the top of your list. And so many people did that, that we... We, we're there. We're really close to all of our financial goals. I wanted to thank everyone for doing that. It's awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> and I tell you that because that's going to give us the ability to slingshot forward to 2021 and, and the, way, the new ways we're going to do ministry in 2021. And when I say new way, it's, it's still the same philosophy of ministry, but it's a new way of applying it. Because I feel like 2021 as a church would be like, uh, not seize the day, uh, seize the year. I want 2021 to be like seizing the year. This would be a f just in a, maybe, I don't know, just something different. Like no other year in the history of 50 years of our church, 2021 is when we get to do what we've been doing well, but really excel in that exceptionally well. We, you know, in, in our leadership, we've been talking about this for months now. It's like, how do we do what we're called to do, to introduce people to the life-changing power of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and him alone, and to help people, anybody willing, to become like Christ in all of life? And so we've been talking about it, like, what does grace forward look like? Grace forward, going forward. And so for the next four weeks, I want to tell you what that's going to look like. I want to, I want to spend four weeks on that because when it comes to the ministry here at church, at Grace, like, everything's changed. Everything's changed. And nothing's changed. Everything's changed in many respects. In our time, in our culture, in, in our experiences, we're not, we're not going back to the way it was a year ago today. Corporations know this. Schools know this, right? Retailers know this. They're not going back. And I don't, the church isn't either. 
it's, it's changed. Everything's changed. And nothing's changed. The nature of, of, of man is still in the, in the image of God, longing and desiring to have a, a purposeful, intimate relationship with God and, and have a deep communion with our fellow man. That stays the same. God hasn't changed. The, the word of God has not changed. And so, you know, when you build on things that, that don't change over time in other cultures, then you get, to, you get to be that stabilizing force throughout all kinds of radical circumstantial changes. And so while we don't have a new vision for the church at Grace Covenant Church, we just have a new kind of an application for it, a new application. It's, it's still every believer's a minister now more than ever, now better than ever. At Grace Covenant Church, we believe that everyone is a minister here. We're just, it's a, it's a church that's filled with pastors and ministers. And so if, if our vision were, uh, you know, before this, the, the time, COVID, BC, before COVID, all right, if, it were, if, if our vision were to get as many people in this building as possible and you guys, you know, you guys just get busy inviting as many friends as possible to our big events and then, you know, leave it to us the pastors and we're the pros and we'll, we'll, we'll close those deals. If that were the case, then we'd have to radically change our vision for the church and how things are done. And we'd have to change it to every, every believer's a minister because that's where this ministry is getting done is out there. If, if we had, uh, if the way of keeping score was big events, like how many big events we could have and, and how it's all about you coming, you know, having these big events and, and, and the way we kept score were simple conversions, maybe baptisms, then we would have to radically change probably the way we kept score and say, well, wait a minute. It's not just that. It's helping people become like Christ in all of life, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's what Jesus said. So we're already doing these things that God told us to do. And those, and our, our, we had biblical values and we had biblical direction and it was based on the nature of God and the nature of man. So the good news is everything's changed. Everything stays the same. We're just going to need to get grace forward means we got to get better at what we're doing. And, and so in week three and four coming up, I'm going to tell you how like the collective church is going to apply what we've done before, maybe in a whole new way, maybe add a few things, right? But, but that's weeks three and four. In weeks two and three, I want to talk about the individual part of Grace Covenant Church, you and me, the, the things that make grace, grace. Because at grace, like every believer is a minister. And what that, what that means philosophically for us when we make decisions, when we have, when we do things like for ministry is we're a bunch of individuals like on a team. And it's, it's not like Grace is this giant building that's going around Austin doing stuff. No, at Grace, we think the church is us all over the place. And so as we are team members all over the place, we need to individually get in competition shape, right? When, you, when you're going into a competition, you've got to get in that, in that, you can't maintain that kind of shape, you know, on a regular off season. So this is like during good, you know, on season playoff shape. We need to do that individually so that it helps the collective good. Another way of looking at it is the, the, at Grace, we sincerely like build our philosophy of ministry around the fact that we're a body. 
We're a body of believers, and each part is absolutely essential. And we talk about Grace Forward in week three and four, it is contingent and based upon the success of Grace Forward week three and four is contingent upon Grace week one and two is individuals getting right. Individuals being healthy, in competition shape, playing their part and submitting to their part in the body of Christ. Because this is like seize the year for the glory of God. At Grace Covenant Church, we can do this, and we can do this big. This week, I'm going to look at, let's look together, let's look at what needs to change. And then next week, I want to show you how you can change, okay? So I think you might have got an email. It's like, bring your notepad, what needs to change in your life? And then next week, I'm going to show you, here's, here's how life change happens, okay? This week, what to change. We're going to look at an Old Testament saint, uh, whose name is Elijah. If, you'll, if you want, you can turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. I'm going to go through the story very quickly. You can read it later. But I want you to, when we look at this passage, I want you to look for these three things. I want you to note, you know, how, how Elijah falls into a state of despair and discouragement. And then I want you to see how God beautifully interrupts Elijah's despair and being, like we sang, an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless pursuer, God's love. Watch how God restores him. And then finally, I want us to look at, okay, how does that help us know how to get into competition shape, right? So what happens to Elijah to get him in that place? What does God do? And then how does that help us get in shape, okay? So here's a summary of what's going on. And in the story, of this, by the time this, this, this is taking place in chapter 19, we're going to find Elijah is broken in every way, okay? He doesn't have moral failure, don't get me wrong, but he, this is actually the, on the uh, heels of his greatest ministry conquest. But what's happened to him is his body is spent, his soul is without hope, and his spirit... <laughs> He has demented views of God, and that's when God shows up. So here's the setting of the story. It is during the divided, uh, period, uh, divided kingdom period in the Older Testament, and the northern kingdom is called Israel, and the king and queen of northern Israel is uh, King uh, uh, Ahab, who's just a cowardly guy, and his, the, the most wicked female in the Bible is Queen Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel have collectively led, because of their, their king and queen, they led Israel to Baal, idol worship. Baal is a false god. Idol worship. And because Israel is participating in idol worship, God has disciplined them. And he's caused them, it's in the desert, he gives them a drought. And Israel is still not repenting. And so this goes on for three years. And after three years, God says, okay, we've got to put an end to this. Let's finally have this ultimate challenge of who is the real God, who is deserving of worship. And this is how it comes out, okay? This is on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, it is, it, it, is, it is a contest, winner take all. Who gets to be the real God? And on one side over here is 450 priests of Baal. And on this side, one man, Elijah representing Yahweh. The contest, they are each to build an altar of sacrifice, 
you know, loaded up with, you know, wood, altar, wood, that sort of thing. And then, and then you pray to Baal or Yahweh, and that God is supposed to light his offering on fire. Loser dies. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So who goes first? The, prof- the prophets and priests of Baal, and they pray to their God, and they kind of dance to do their things. They do whatever they can to get Baal to light his own fire, and nothing happens. Then it's Elijah's turn. He, he's kind of a trash talker. He, he covers his bonfire sticks in water. He soaks them and saturates them, whispers a quiet prayer to Yahweh, and then out of the sky, <laughs> flames light this, just torch this fire and, and burn the altar and everything. Message received. Yahweh is the only true God. And the people realize what's happening, and they repent, Time to pay up. 450 priests are killed because they led the people away. And then, then, out of nowhere, across the horizon, a small cloud about the size of a man's fist is seen. And then it grows and then becomes a storm and the drought is over. The people repented and Yahweh, Yahweh has won giving them rain back. Great story, right? Queen Jezebel, the most wicked person in the Bible, female in the Bible, she is not impressed with this, and she didn't like losing 450 of her priests. And so she says this in chapter 19, verse 2, and Jezebel sent message to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, one of these priests, by tomorrow at this time. Elijah's response to this death threat from the queen, he's afraid. He's afraid for his life. He runs 16 miles to Jezreel. He outruns a chariot to get there, and that's not far enough. He keeps running. And then in verses 3 and 4, it says Elijah was afraid for his life, was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, okay, that's 100 miles south of Jezreel in Judah, and then he left his servant there. That's not far enough. He leaves his servant at, in Beersheba, which is kind of this desert no man's land. I mean, it's not a pretty place. It's a long way from Queen uh, uh, Jezebel is the point. But he leaves him and then still goes a day's journey and says, and while... He himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came um, to a juniper tree, and he sat down underneath it, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Yahweh, he said. Take my life. I am, no, am I no better than my ancestors? Wow. What happened? What happened to this hero, this saint, this, uh, Elijah? This great victor, look, what, look, look at him, he's, it, his, his head is between his knees, laying underneath this juniper tree, and he's just weeping bitterly, asking God to just take his life. It'd better if he wouldn't live. I want us to look at this for a lot of different reasons, okay? I want us to take a, a close look at this because I know, you know, I know many of you have been here a while. You've been under that juniper tree, and those who haven't, you will be. I have a timeshare there. I'm, I'm, they know me there. 
And if we understand how he got there and what God does with this, it's going to help us in our spiritual life together. But let's look at how he got there. The first factor is the spiritual life that's going on in Elijah. Elijah is coming off of uh, the greatest victory in his, in his spiritual career, right? And, and, and with every victory, there's usually an equal and opposite trough. It just comes. With every high, there's a low. And when a person has a spiritual high moment, they are exceptionally vulnerable to despair and discouragement and depression, and I hope he knew that, but what he just experienced, and then look at, look at what's happening to him, what he just experienced physically and emotionally. He's exhausted. Okay, it, for years, Elijah has been running full steam ahead in, in trying to confront th- this husband, wife, this king and queen uh, evil duo, and, and, and in that just exhausting him. But this last experience, he's redlining it, right? Like he's, you can hear the... the the pistons start in a clacker, and he's in trouble at this point. This is what happens when your adrenaline is all dried up. I mean, think about what he's done just physically, just physically. Like he ran 16 miles. Then he went 100 miles south into the desert. That wasn't far enough, so he went a day's journey, and he's just finding himself spent. He's spent. And then emotionally, He's taking, he's facing an evil king and queen. It's 450 against one. And then, I mean, his prayer, I mean, he's a prayer of a faithful man, but it's just like, please, God, please light this thing on fire, please. (laughs) And then there's just the whole, the, the killing of the 450 priests. That's an emotional experience. And then there's always Jezebel. Nothing, there's nothing that she wouldn't do. She's Satan in a dress. So emotionally and, and physically, she's not well, or he's not well. And then finally, uh, he's been separated by a, con- by a confidant, by an encourager, his assistant. He leaves his assistant behind, remember, in, in Beersheba. And it is, it is like a person that is discouraged and... And, and despairing to push away the very people that could help pick them up. And then after you push people away in your life, then you complain that you're lonely. I mean, this is textbook. That's one, one of the reasons I wanted you to see this. Is it, is it, any, wonder, is it any wonder that Elijah finds himself... In, in the context of his spiritual life now, his thoughts are, I am absolutely helpless. I'm completely alone in this violent world around me. Lord, just take my life. Just like, let's go. I just want to go home. And he gets to that thinking. His, 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 uh, his spiritual life is thinking those thoughts about God because his physical life and his soul life is so demented that he comes up with some demented theology. So just to be clear, just to summarize, right, he is, his body is spent, his soul is exhausted without hope, that's why he wants to just die, and his spirit is claiming that God is not in charge of the situation, that he has been left completely alone, that God is, I'll never leave you forsaken. Oh, he left me, and there's no one else here, and he has without hope. That's where our hero is. That's where some of you might be right now. Some of you have been there. 
Got your juniper tree, your name carved in it. Yep. What's beautiful in this story is the never-ending pursuit of God's love for him. I want you to see, I want us to watch and learn how God deals with Elijah in this context. And, he, and he's like, and he cares, he's caring for him. And he's caring for his body and his soul and his spirit. Look what happens. It's just like a loving parent. Like he's just, I, I, I just see this, God is now God the father, God the mother. God, he's just loving this man. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Verse nine, chapter 19, verse 5. Then, then, this is Elijah, then he lay down under the juniper tree and he fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. He looked around and, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot, stone, over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate it and he drank it and then he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back to him a second time. And he touched him and he said, get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by the food. And he traveled 40 days and 40 nights and reached Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Look what God does. He baked him bread. It is not beneath God to bake bread. Gave him some water. This is Jesus at the shore baking, uh, cooking fish for Peter. Come here, Peter. He's, <laughs> He, Elijah comes in and says, I just want to die. Okay. And like a parent hearing some drama in a child says, okay, why don't you eat and take a nap? <laughs> right? Or a husband, why don't you eat and take a nap? Loving parent says, I got to care. I know I can hear your spirit. I can understand what's happening in your soul, but your body is broken. Let's fix that. And then, and then, and then he says, let's do some spiritual help. And so he brings him to Mount Sinai, the place to meet God, famously so. And so in the context of that, says, I want to talk to you. Let's talk, Elijah. And then gently he just asks a question, doesn't accuse, doesn't debate, doesn't you know, apologize, try to def God is not defending himself. He just says, Elijah. He says, how did you get here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah tells him. Does the whole lament thing all over again. Woe is me, and I'm alone that's left, and I'm helpless and in this terrible world. And so God says, okay, look, go stand outside, and I'll present myself to you. And then in this grand display, God shows who he truly is to those who love him. First, he sends this ferocious, violent wind you know, and, and Elijah is having to live through this, and it's knocking down boulders. And then it says, but Yahweh wasn't in the wind. And then the earth began to quake all around him. And then the Bible says, but, but Yahweh wasn't in the earthquake. And then this roaring flames came and break out everywhere. And then, but Yahweh wasn't in the flames. And then after that, this calm breeze blows by and the Bible says and Yahweh was in that calm breeze and asks very nicely in this calm what are you doing here Elijah that is the gentle relentless love of God 
restoring his body and restoring his spirit. And Elijah responds, I alone am left. They seek my life to kill me. And God responds by telling his spirit the truth in a calm way where he to hear it. He says, Elijah, there are 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed that idol. You're, you're not alone. And I'm with you. It's all good. And then finally, in, in, in God's healing of this man, his body has been restored. His spirit has been encouraged. And then his soul. You are not alone. I'm going to bring you a friend. Your next little person to be a mentor to will not be, you know, one of these interns that is not going to be a lot of help for you. It's going to be Elijah. And Elijah will actually usurp you. You will carry him, and then he will carry you. And the story ends in 19 through 21 with Elijah and Elisha walking off, growing in strength and power. Yahweh. This grace, this is how Yahweh treats his ministers. And every believer is a minister. If you do ministry for long, you're going to be burned out. You're going to be this way of body, soul, and spirit. And God is going to be there to restore you. Body, soul, and spirit. Here's, here's how we can apply this today. Look, here's the thing. Grace going forward. Grace going forward is only as strong and, and, and delightful as the team is. And because of the way we do ministry here, the ministry's out there, and we're just like getting together to get trained. Everyone at Grace needs to get in competition shape for us to seize the year of 2021. In other words, if we're a body, then every one of the parts owes it to the other parts of the body to play right and get right to become like Christ in all of life. And we say Christ in all of life, we mean in all of our humanity. Look what it says, look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Think, think about the nature of man, like the way you're made, when I read this to you, and about becoming like Christ in all of life. This is our vision statement. Now, may the, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, like Christ in all of life, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see? <laughs> that, become like Christ in all of life. That's where we get these sorts of things. So it's anthropological. It is the nature of man that hasn't changed and will not change. It is the nature of God who cannot change. So <laughs> the point is, let me show you. How getting in shape, what it means to get well. You're going to have a homework assignment. I'll give you a heads up right now. You're, you're going to need to come up with ways that you need to improve in body, soul, and spirit. But let me define the terms, okay? First of all, the nature of man is body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. I think we probably understand what body is. Body is like our senses, right? See, touch, taste, uh, smell, touch, taste, hear, see, those sorts of things. It's the stuff. What is the cost of COVID on our bodies, right? We, many of us lost our rhythms. Here's how to have a healthy body. For, it's super simplistic, but you know what? It works. It's you got to eat right. You got to sleep right. You got to exercise right. And this time last year, it was a little easier than right now. It's, we lost kind of that. And so even on our staff team, it's interesting. No one really, we didn't, we didn't have any weight change on our staff team. It was great. 
Well, that's not entirely true. There's some people that lost a lot of weight and then others that found that weight. And so overall, that's why I'm wearing a sweater because COVID shrunk all of my clothing and I can't wear it like I used to. Simple application, become like Christ in your body. We'll talk about that next week. Talk about how. Next, soul. Soul, the definition for soul is kind of, it's interesting. It's you. You. Uh, The nurture and the nature of you. The nurture, how you were raised. The nature of you, how you were made. And how you respond, how you've how have you chosen to respond to your nurture nature? It's also uh, a summation of your memories and your beliefs. You, your soul, is where you find your meaning, your identity. It's your character. Another way people will describe the soul simply is intellect, how you think, um, emotion, feel, and your passions, and your will. The choices you make and the courage to fulfill those. The you, the soul of you, it shows up, uh, another way of saying it, is in your personality. And that's why in the Bible, the Hebrew word in the Older Testament uh, for, for soul is the word nephesh. And nephesh is used for, towards animals sometimes. And people sometimes are confused about that. But it's because the soul is different than the spirit. The soul is the personality. It shows up in a personality. If you've had dogs, various dogs, you know dogs, mammals, they have different personalities. Right? I mean, whether it's good or bad, happy or sad or bold or lazy, right? Different animals, different dogs, different personalities. In the Bible, there is never a soul, nephesh, used applied to a cat. And I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what the Bible says and doesn't say, but I don't think they have souls. And that would explain a lot, right? I think it would, at least the ones we've had. So it's... Souls, your soul shows up in your personality. Your soul shows up in your relationships, about how well you relate to other people, how deeply you're able to relate to other people, whether how, how you serve them, how you serve other people. What has been the COVID costs on our souls? Hmm. Well, most of what we've been talking about for nine months, at least in the media, has been one-dimensional aspect of the human nature, it's been about our bodies. But the cost to our soul and spirit, it's been exceptional at great expense. Uh, The latest health survey that's been done over 25, about 25 years now, there's been a 19% drop from this time last year in mental health. It is this time, this this year, that number, that 19% drop was the lowest in the history of the survey. Well, yeah, because what in our souls, what were cracks became fault lines and sometimes what were fault lines became canyons. All the while the mayhem that's been going on in, in the, the pandemic, the media has monetized, monetized rather, fear and anger. They are fueling the, the soul illness. And it is no wonder that depression has gone up like never before and uh, teen suicide gone up faster than ever, domestic abuse and domestic violence. Right. Those are expressions of soul illness because of the circumstances that we're in. 
relationships, like the fragile ones, if they were just neglected, they were lost in many respects. And those that were dysfunctional, codependent relationships, they either somebody, somebody got well and stood up for themselves, or they just doubled down and said, if you're going to stay in this, you have to submit even more to me. But very few, do you, you don't hear a lot of stories about bad relationships getting good. You just hear about bad relationships either ending or doubling down. In the context of our soul, it means become like Christ in our soul. And then our, the nature of man is body, soul, and spirit. Spirit, become like Christ in all of life. What that means is to have a spiritual relationship like Christ has with his father. That, that depth of relationship. Uh, sometimes we, we would use the spirit to be the fruit of the spirit. So it would be the supernatural change that starts from the inside out that like the fruit of the spirit is love and that love starts to infect our soul and it actually changes our body. Right? It's that supernatural thing. Uh, to have a healthy spirit is to have, like Christ, is to have the same desire and for, for evangelism and impact because we want to make a difference in life because that's where we find our purpose. To have a healthy spirit means that we can hear the voice of God. Like Elijah, that still small voice that ha you have to be so absolutely surrendered to the will of God and the desire to, to please him that, that he'll speak to you. It means a healthy spirit means to have the courage to do what the will of God says. And let me just remind you this, okay? There is overlap. The nature of man is body, soul, spirit, but they are connected. And when your spirit is neglected or mistreated, it, it, you, you lose your vision for eternal things. Like you, you, that you're eternal in the first place. That you don't have an eternal perspective on life. You don't look at heaven as home. And then what happens is you get distracted and you start looking around and you're trying to, what, now your soul is starting to make choices based on values where you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. And next thing you know, you're coveting your neighbor's goods, and then you're coveting your neighbor's wife. I don't want to just be like the Joneses. I want Mrs. Jones. And that leads to all sorts of physical problems, literal physical problems, because it started with your spirit out of alignment. It connects. And it connects the other way, too. I, I, you, ne you neglect, abuse, or mistreat your body. Like, it has chemical consequences upon your brain and blood. And then you, then your intellect, emotion, and will, they're kinked out of place. And you're feeling things you shouldn't be feeling, and you're making choices that you shouldn't be making. And how does that affect your spirit? You can't hear God like you used to. So point is, homework is this. Come next week. Come next week. What are achieve, like what are goals for what it looks like to be healthy, body, soul, and spirit. And here, here's why. It's not us. It's you. Because the way we do church here is a bunch of little saints where every believer's a minister and the ministry's out there. And for us to seize the day, I mean seize the year, we owe it to each other to get in competition shape so as a collective team, we can, we can do great and glorious things for God. We, we, like if we're part of a body, then we need to all play our part and be submissive, submissive to one another. And listen, friends, 
We're bent. Let me just like end with just this ab- absolute statement of the obvious. We are bent away from all things healthy, body, soul, and spirit. Anything worth having, we have to work for. The good stuff in life, it's uphill. It's like, <laughs> we're like salmon. To survive, to, like, to, to survive all things good is upstream. And you know, fish that are able to you know, do downstream, what is it, they don't work. I mean, a dead fish can float downstream. Salmon, they fight for their survival. That's where the good stuff is. Yeah, the good stuff upstream. I understand the metaphor, yes. Um, but in your body, like floating is just, it's, it's ice cream and donuts. Yeah, you don't have to work hard at that. Swimming upstream, it's fruit and barbecue. Boy, that's, that's a nice, yeah, it ain't all bad, okay? Your soul, your soul is bent. Floating is just to surrender, just be a victim to the way that you were raised, you were abused, you were neglected, so you're going to be angry. You just be, I'm going to be respected, yeah, because I want to be. Or you could like swim upstream, stand up, get up, swim upstream, and be nice and kind and generous, going against your nurturing. You could float downstream and be a victim of the way you were made. Look at you, a perfectionist. You have perfect pitch. And like some people with perfect pitch, all you hear are the bad notes. And you criticize and condemn, and there's no happiness in your life. Well, there you go. That's floating downstream. That's what dead fish do. Or, or you could get up. You could swim upstream and, be not, and let God miraculously change your soul. Who cares how you're made in that context? You could rise above that and be known for being graceful and joyful <laughs> and laughter and encouragement. Yeah, you can. Spiritually speaking, when you float, when you just do whatever's easiest, Honestly, you make yourself a God. You just serve yourself. You turn in. It's me and mine. And but if, what if you chose not to? What if you let? What if you chose to let truth like live in your spirit that He is the King and you surrender to Him? What would that be like? You become self-forgetful. That is the fruit of true spiritual health. And in the freedom of your self-forgetfulness gives you all sorts of power. And you serve God for his glory, and you serve others for God's glory. So, grace forward. Here's the final challenge, everybody. Grace forward is this. It is us collectively, because us individually, because us collectively needs you and me individually to get into competition shape, right? We're in the playoffs. This matters. 2021 sees that year, Grace. It means that we're going to become like Christ in all of life, and every one of us are the ministers to make this happen. We need you. We need you to do this for us, for the glory of God. So you show up next week. What do you need to do to get healthy? Body, soul, spirit. And I'll help you by showing you how a person gets healthy. But right now, who's in?
2021. See some hands. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we love that you're a God where every day is a new year. Every day is a new time to start over. Stop looking back and start looking forward. We love that you are a reckless lover, that you know how to heal us, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, I'd ask that you would give us the insight and wisdom as image bearers of what we need to do in our lives for our body, for our soul, for our spirit, make it well. That we would let your magic touch, your miraculous spirit touch us so that we would glorify you in our life and then collectively as a church, a bunch of individuals meeting together, a bunch of individual ministers meeting together to serve our king in his kingdom that we might help everyone that we touch become like Christ in all of life. Lord, let us be that church. Help us see the vision of, of, of seizing the year of 2021. I'm so, I'm, I'm delighted. I am grateful, Lord, that we have a biblical vision and we have a biblical direction. That we don't have to change things radically. We just need to just work the plan, work the instructions. I'm grateful for that. So Lord, help us do that next thing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.